coaching clinic in your pocket. I am excited to uh, put together episode number 10 here. I have reached double digits in my interviews here, so really excited. Uh, really excited to uh, talk to our guest here tonight, Greg White from Bentonville West High School out of the fine state of Arkansas. Um, before we get going with Coach White, uh, we would, uh, as always, like to recognize our sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. It, uh, coaches, if you have any athletes that are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at Cossack Chiro. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Also, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, we try to put out daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're either on SoundCloud or iTunes. If you're on one or the other, maybe even both, uh, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, download it consistently so we can get the word out, move up in the ratings, so we can help out as many coaches as we can to help them and to grow their craft. If you'd like to email the pod, as always, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, we're open to everything here. So, uh, But let's get going here tonight with uh, Coach White. Coach White, how are you doing this evening? Great. Great. Glad, glad to have you. Um, you know, we uh, just honored to have you. A mutual friend uh, between us here kind of hooked us up here. Uh, stepping out of uh, the Nebraska-Iowa zone here and heading down to Arkansas. Um, my dad, I was going to tell you this, my dad got his master's degree from the University of Arkansas um, a long, long time ago. So there is that slight Arkansas connection that I have with you there, Coach. You know, it's funny you said that. We uh, we had a conversation today, a friend, a bunch of friends of mine. Uh, we were at a mutual uh, at a place that we didn't expect to see each other. And you know, it's how do you know him? How do you know? Didn't even know we had the connection. And it's such a small world, you know. And then you put a basketball, in and it gets even smaller. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, that's awesome. We got a little Razorback blood in you. We're uh, we're pretty excited down here. Uh, Coach Neighbors picked up a big commit today on the women's side. And, you know, Coach Musselman's here now, and he's got some excitement going. So uh, I feel like it's a it's a basketball state right now. Uh, you know, that's what we're excited about. A lot of talent coming through on the men's and women's side. So good time to be a Razorback. So I know uh, I know you're excited. You know, there's a we got a Greenwood, Arkansas native uh, up there on the staff in Nebraska with uh, with Doc. So uh, okay, we're, we're more connected than we probably realize. So. <laughs> Doc has. Uh kind of taking my son under his wing a little bit there. Uh, he's got a nickname for him and everything. And, um, yeah, he's he's really enjoyed uh, having Doc around. Like I said, he's he's kind of become a, a little bit of a father figure to him down there at Nebraska. So uh, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. My, my dad's favorite player, uh, he, he was there during the Sidney Moncrief era of, of Arkansas basketball. So I think Eddie Sutton was the coach during that time as well. Yes, Coach yeah. Sutton. You know, he had the triplets with, yep. uh, with Sid. Sid the kid and uh, Marvin Dell, you know, and Ron Brewer. It's mm -hmm. a lot of rich tradition of basketball in the state. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to get back to it. Obviously, a couple, uh, I guess it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, they named the court of Bud Walton after Coach Nolan Richardson. Yep. So uh, one thing you'll find out about Arkansans is we're real nostalgic. You know, we 
Um, sadly, we haven't had a lot to celebrate in the past, but you know, <laughs> we got to bring Mike home from Washington after a Final Four. And, yep. You know now with with Mus in, and so it's a it's a fun place. You know, we're, we're a lot like Nebraska, no pro team. Uh, so the, the Razorbacks is the pro team. So everyone everyone jumps on, and even when I went to uh, I went to Henderson State, a Division two school, and you know everyone still is a Razorback fan. So it's a it's a great place to grow up. A uh, wonderful place to raise a family. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, exciting times right now. Yep. It's basketball. It's cold outside. So it, it, it is cold. It is, yes, it is. It definitely is. So, well, uh, coach, uh, you, you've had an interesting career so far. Uh, five uh, head coaching stops along the way here. Career record of one eighty one and one thirty four with uh, three state tournaments along the way. Uh, but it sounds like you're building a, a really solid program there at Bentonville West, and uh, just excited to have you on the pod here. For the folks that, that don't know you uh, uh, too well here, uh, just take a couple minutes, kind of give us a background on yourself, uh, where you come from, um, and, and how you've ended up at Bentonville West. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, um, from a small town in Hot Springs, Arkansas, um, you know, I went to a small school. We had 500 kids, K-12. through Um my, uh, my father passed away when I was five. My mom never remarried. And so, you know, the guy I call on Father's Day was my high school coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, uh, my aunt is a, is a high school coach, really successful. Uh, she's won five state championships. And so I knew pretty young that I, that's what I wanted to do because I knew the impact it had on my life and the impact I saw with other things. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't, I always tell people I'm six four, and, you know, people believe, you know, I'm like, well, I wasn't good enough to play in college. And so I, uh, just went and really worked hard at trying to work my way in and learn the game and officiated some so I could learn that side of it. And I had, had a lot of good mentors in my life, even back then that, you know, back in those days, it was the administrator, at, whether the athletic director or principal that paid the official. Mm-hmm. So I would go and referee a junior high game and, you know, they'd come to bring in my check and, I, you know, I'd always want to introduce myself and, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be graduating the year, you know, if you have any jobs and kind of jumping that way and, at age 22, uh, right out of college, I was a head coach uh, at a small Catholic school in Morrillton, Arkansas, uh, Sacred Heart. I coached seventh through twelfth boys and girls. Oh wow! Uh, you know, it was a it's a great place for people familiar with Arkansas. I mean, a lot of good basketball comes through there. Uh, a lot of coaches have had a great start there, and it was a uh, you know, looking back, it was probably the dumbest thing I ever did trying to take a head coaching job at 22 but I learned so much that year about why you need to be an assistant and why you can't jump to success quick um like like it, know, from what from what angles you know just uh kind of kind of, ex, kind of expand on know. that sure I, I think from the angle that you don't know what you don't know um at that point in my career uh, everything I knew was from my head coach who was, who was extremely successful uh we played for a state title uh when I was a sophomore, we were 34-0 and lost in the championship. And, uh, you know, he went on and made went to another school, made it back to the championship. So everything I knew about basketball was either from him, uh, my aunt, or watching Bobby Knight and guys like that. Mm-hmm. And so at a young age, I, did, I thought that the angrier I was, the more I knew. Uh-huh. You know, if I was always angry with the officials or yelling at players, it was, not because that's how they coached me, it was just that false sense of – I guess security. Yeah. You know, at 22, I'm four years older than my seniors. Yeah. And I'm trying to show I know what I'm doing. I'm able 
and you really don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I told someone the other day, like, there's only one thing right now I'm certain of, and that's that I'm still uncertain of a lot of things. Not, not that I doubt my judgment. It's mm-hmm. just, if you tell me this is how, this is the angle for a screen, I want to break that down and say, is, or is what you're teaching better than what I'm teaching? You know, it's mm-hmm. the efficiency model. And so at that age, you know, you're just, you know, trying to survive. You know, you're trying to make a name in the game. Um, for yourself because that ultimately leads to, to different jobs. But in the end, like you just, I didn't know, I, I was so thankful for the opportunity because looking back um, and, I, and I'll circle back to where, what that job meant to me uh, in my current position. But it was, it was one of those that you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was so fortunate to be in a league with hall of fame coaches. Um, you know, Joe Mallett from Conway St. Joseph, Warren Bain, uh, Lynn Harris, these guys that were legends and veterans of that, that were able to say, hey, shut up and listen, you know, in coaches' meetings, and I just sit and listen to them and learn. It was a great time in my life, um, you know, but looking back, you know, I definitely wasn't ready um, from what, but I tell people this all the time, I don't feel like I really became a good coach. This is my 18th year, and I, whatever you would think a good coach is, in my mind, a good coach is someone that teaches the game really well, not based on wins or losses. I feel like I didn't learn to teach basketball until I met Don Showalter and went to Snow Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I was young, I mean, I think we kind of have the, the same track. I mean, I started when I was 20 or 21. Um, I was a student assistant at the college that I went to, and I learned so much by just hanging out with the old guard and, and like you said, just shut up and listen. And, and there's, you know, there's a reason why, uh, my dad was a teacher and and he always told me, you know, talk to the guys that are, that have been around teaching for 25, 30, 35 years and pick their brains because there's, there's a reason why they've lasted that long. And, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. And, um, you know, it sounds like you and I kind of started out on that same track there where, you know, we were, you know, in a, in, in good situations to start out with, but, you know, looking back on it, you know, we were probably not as ready as we probably could have been or should have been. Uh, we, we were both chomping at the bit to get after it pretty quick. So absolutely. You know, and like I said, I, I, it's one of those wild careers where, you know, I started as a head coach, went back to being an assistant and really my role as an assistant was I wanted to be everything that I didn't have when I did before I had an assistant coach. And when I was by myself, what were the questions, you know, that I wish I, I mean, I literally uh, would write myself notes to look at during the game. Like I would, in my office, I would sit down and say, okay, if this situation comes, here's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. So I could think about it when I was in a clear mind, not in the pressure. And then, uh, you know, when that came up in a game, I had a flip chart. You know, I look like an offensive coordinator over there. I'm flipping through trying to find, because when I, when I was sitting, think about the game, I wanted to make a clear, conscious, you know, decision because you know what things are. It's thirty-second yep. timeout, and you're going. And if you've never thought about it, you're going to just well. And you know, a lot of decisions are made out of panic. And so, I wanted to be prepared. That's one of the things I learned about being by myself. And then, when I became an assistant, I really wanted to push that. That hey, I want to do a good job for for Brad, who was a, I was an assistant for, and be the be that guy that he needs. You know, the suggestion maker, not a decision maker. And, so it really kind of helped. And then when I went back to being a head coach, um, I knew what I wanted in an assistant because I felt like I had been that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still, it's made that transition a lot better. Yep. Okay. Um, 
you talked about uh, Snow Valley, which is, uh, you know, probably a, a lot of our listeners are familiar with uh, the concept of the Snow Valley camps. Uh, one of my buddies, Tony Biss, worked those a lot uh, back in the day. And uh, But for, for the folks that don't know what Snow Valley is, uh, could you kind of explain the concept to them and sure. everything that goes into it? Sure. So I grew up not knowing what it was. Um, I didn't hear about Snow Valley until about seven years ago. Um, I was working at camp um, with Alan Stein, who's a good friend of mine, and he was like, hey, I'm going to Snow Valley next week. And I was like, oh, I have a great time. And then I'm like, it's July. Where are you going to snow at? <laughs> I really had no idea. He was like, no, and, you know, it's this great. It's this old school throwback camp. And he said, I'm going to hook you up and go show. And so when I, uh, I, I met Dave Slawball and, and Don Showalter and got invited to come work camp and – First thing I'll tell you is it's it's the favorite week of my life in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kids go with me now. My my son Hayden was a camper. He, you know, this past year he got to be a coach. Uh, my youngest son Evan has been. It goes as a camper still. So what Snow Valley is? Snow Valley is your throwback. Go stay in the dorm. Uh, you're on the basketball court at six thirty in the morning. You're getting off the court around ten thirty at night. Uh, then we have a coaches clinic one night. Uh, there's chalk talk and dorms with coaches until two in the morning and you do that for about four days and uh, you know you sleep in the dorm in the dorm bed um it's a uh it, it, the first time you go you realize like wow this is kind of a you know and i hate to use the word grind because i don't feel like basketball is a grind but that week is kind of hard on you and, yeah and you've got to get through it now i look forward to it and um you know the first the first year there you know you're sitting there watching Don Showalter and Tate Slock and these guys that are just great teachers. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget telling, like, just being disappointed in myself because, you know, here I am at this point in my career that I realize I don't really know how to teach basketball. I, I can coach, I can X and O, I can draw set play, I can teach you an offense. I was really bad at teaching the game. Okay. And, and so that really kind of opened my eyes to what being a basketball teacher is. And they call it a school. You know, it's Snow Valley Basketball School. It's not Snow Valley Basketball Camp. It's not an exposure event. It's a school. You go, and for an hour, we're going to work on form. We're going to work on shooting. And these guys will shoot for an hour. And then they, they play one game a day. It's at the very end of the day. So you're looking at about a 14-hour day on the court, and 13 hours of those are, are skill development and one hour playing. And it's really an awesome experience. And I mean, I encourage coaches all the time. We, we've had, I think our number's up to four or five now, Arkansas have been, you know, and I just keep talking about like, you, I mean, it's, it's just an impact on me um, from the teaching side and just the relationship, you know, this, we go and we sit and talk to coaches and like me and you talked before we came on, it's such a small basketball world. Yeah. And we all feel like we're, there's times during the season where we feel like we're on an island and then you talk to someone from Nebraska or someone from North Carolina or yep. uh, this past summer I had a coach uh, that I was a mentor to from Malaysia. And all of a sudden you realize we're all dealing with the same stuff and, you know, and, and you've got a network to fall back on and call. And it's a, uh, it's a great, great thing. Um, you know, there's their website, the website, snowvalleyiowa.com. I mean, kids fly in from all over the country to go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, NBA coaches are there. There's college coaches, uh, high school coaches. It's just, it's basketball. It's purest form. That's what I tell everybody. And 
and for the coaching side, uh, Jacob Brindle said this on Twitter. It's like being, it's a rebirth for coaches. You go back and you fall back in love with why you're coaching, you know, whatever, regardless of what your record was this past year, regardless of, you know, if you've had to deal with, you know, parents or admin or injuries or everything that just kind of puts that cloud over what basketball is, it all goes away for a week. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a rebirth. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a great experience. I, you know, I've, I always, wanted to do it when I was younger and then you know something would get in the way and my wife and I we we had kids when we were pretty young now that my my kids are older um you know it's it's something I you know would like to get back into um you know so I'm definitely going to try and hook up with that next summer um you know if the schedule works out with everything but I, I agree with you that it's it is basketball at its finest form as, as at its most basic and primal form where you're just getting back to the fundamentals and the, the simplicity of the game. And like you said, why you get, why you get into it, uh, as a coach as well. So, um, you gave me uh, a list of about five or six folks here of, of influences that you've had in your coaching career. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to go through it one by one here and, and not quite, you know, rapid fire, but, uh, you know, in, in 30 sec, 30 to 45 seconds or so, uh, on each one of these folks, just uh, one or two things of why these folks have been influential on your career. Okay. okay. All right. So uh, you, you already mentioned one guy, Don Showalter, who's an Iowa guy, by the way. So yes. uh, we, we are proud of him as a native Iowan. We're, we're proud of Don Showalter and all he's done for USA basketball. But Don Showalter, what, what, uh, what are one or two things that you've gotten from him? I, I think – the biggest thing you get from show is how to treat people. Um, and, and what I mean by this is I, I can send him a text message and say, coach, can you call me? I gotta, I'm thinking about something on offense and he's going to give me the same call that he's going to pick, but Jay Wright, he's talks to him. Like it, it's not surprising to you to see, you know, when you're with show Walter, number one, he never big times you. And I, and I think that's a lesson for all of us that, I mean, he, I tell people this all the time. He might be the most influential guy in, in prep basketball right now because, mm-hmm. you know, he's coaching, he's picking and might have the hardest job. You know, when he was coaching the U 17, he's yeah. sending, you know, we all talk about how tough it is to make cuts. Imagine when you're cutting a guy that's going to play on TV. Yeah. There's guys that he had to tell, Hey, I'm sorry. You're not good enough for my roster that are in the NBA. Yeah. You know, and it's just amazing. Like what that spot he was in, but there's no better person for it because he's the, He's the most big time guy without without any ego, and, and the guy could have one. He could blow me off. He could blow off so many people, but he doesn't. You know, and I mean, he's a Midwest guy to you know, and, and he's a uh, he's just taught me how to treat how to treat people. Mm-hmm. That when a coach, whether they coach fifth grade boys or it's a college coach, if they you know, we we're all on the same team. We're all teaching the same game. We all love, and so. You know, he, there's just so much wisdom I get from him every time I have a conversation with him or get to be around him. It's just, there's just the way, number one, the way you treat people. Number two, how, how to, if you really love the game, you're going to grow the game. And, and, you know, and I think the third is just, you know, to be who you are. You know, I mean, he could be, he could big time anybody wants, but, you know, at his, at his core, he's Don Walter from Iowa. Yep. You know, and that's, that's awesome. To yep. Me. Um, Tate Slock. So my first trip to Snow Valley, my plane gets delayed. Call Coach Show, and he goes, "Hey, Tate's Lock's going to pick you up at the airport." And I'm like, "Yeah, right." 
you know, I mean, this guy's a legend. Yep. And I get out, I walk out, and there he is. And uh, we had a candid conversation. Um, the coaches that have been around Tate's know um, he's got he, he can make you feel great. He can also make you feel like you you know you don't belong on the planet. And uh, <laughs> it kind of started there. And uh, when when I, I found out real quick when Tate's likes you and loves you, you know, he you become a target quite a bit. And but he uh, when I, I I had so many moments. Um, you know, with with Snow Valley, with Tate's there, that I, I got a job. He, he wants no cell phones when, when he's teaching, and I'm on a court with him. And I told Coach Show and Dave, I'm like, look, I got a phone call about a job. I've got to take it. If you see me run off, just step in. Mm-hmm. So I, sure enough, we're in a we're in a call, and I I step out, get offered a job at, at Gravit High School, accepted, run back in, and Tate's just staring at me, and I'm just. <laughs> And, you know, and now he's got the campers staring at me. So now there's 150 kids staring at me with this, with Tate's giving me this look. And he walks over and goes, did you take the job? And I said, yes, sir. And he gives me a big hug. And when I, when I went to Bentonville West, um, he actually came and spent three days with my team. Um, you know, and you're talking about a guy that when he says, you know, oh, I got this from Mr. Iba. I mean, he's one of those, he's on yeah. that generational level. Yeah. And, he, he's the greatest teacher of basketball I've ever seen. He can he can show you something that we've all seen fifty times, and it, it's like seeing a kid on Christmas morning. It's brand new to you the way he discusses it and teaches it, and it's just it's amazing that I can call him a mentor and a friend. And you know, it's just it, he's a guy that really taught me how. You know, I, I think if I put in my my top order, you know, it, it would be my high school coach and then. Coach Show and Tate's would be all right there at one, one A and one B. I mean, those guys. It's been, it's really, it's really a blessing. I mean, I'm, I'm a small, kid, I'm a kid from a small town, small school, mm-hmm. and you know, if, if I if I could go back in time and say, hey, Greg, at one point in your life, these guys are going to be uh, the contacts you hear something like this guy's crazy, you know. Yeah. And so to be able to talk to a guy that's taught on that level and coached on the highest level and just it's an amazing thing like takes means means the world to me mm-hmm. um lance taylor yeah so he uh he came to cutter morning star when i was a sixth grader this was and uh like i mentioned earlier my uh my mom uh my mom raised me by herself my dad died when i was five she never remarried my mom worked at the bank so you know we would have christmas tournament or christmas practice and I wasn't very good as a player. I, you know, I'm one of the few guys, you know, the most of the time we get older, we start talking about how much better we were. We reminded, remind, remember <laughs> ourselves to being better than we were. And I kind of could see the truth. Like, man, you know, I wasn't very good. I was, I had, to, I, had to, I had limited tools and I had to use them. I always, and, uh, uh, I always told my, my players, you know, other than my passing ball handling, rebounding and defense, I was a heck of a player. You know, so I was so skinny. Like, I, I mean, it, it was funny. Like there were times where I would go back home, and I had people say, "Oh, I'm, I thought you were dead." And I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Well, we just thought you were so sick because you were so skinny all the time." <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't gain weight either. But so, but Lance, uh, you know, I still call him Coach Taylor because I mean, just out of respect, he uh, Coach Taylor would come pick me up um, when he didn't have to because I'm not a starter. I'm probably, you know, my sophomore year was my favorite year of high school, and I wouldn't even rotation. Mm-hmm. And, and what made it my favorite was. Uh, coach was, was intense 
he was a great teacher. He demanded defense. You know, he's a Bob, he loved Bobby Knight style defense. Eddie Sutton, so we guarded up the line on the line, and it, it never failed. You know, we'd get ready for tip, and the seat would be open right beside him. And I would go sit, knowing I'm not, you know, you know, you see some kids, they rush to sit by the coach because they know, oh, he's going to put me in. Well, I knew better. He knew better. <laughs> but I would get I would get the tap on the leg. And I say tap generously. You know, I'd get that leg shot. What are we doing that for? And so I'd have to answer questions. Uh-huh. And I could, and he didn't have an assistant. We're in a small school. He coached. Assist, he was assistant football coach. Uh, he did boys basketball, 7 through 12, and did track. So I would sit there and kind of be the sounding board, you know, I wouldn't say punching bag, but I mean, I got slapped on the leg a couple times, you know, like, <laughs> for attention, but, but it, it was just, I learned and I, you know, I learned to love him and, you know, it, it wasn't, people always said, well, you know, I know they want a kid to play out of fear. We, we didn't play out of fear of him. We played out of respect. We didn't want to let him down. We didn't want to embarrass him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's kind of been that, he was that father figure for me. Um, and, and probably and still is. I mean, like you know, I, he's one of the first calls I make on Father's Day, um, and so it's a special relationship for me with him. Very good, uh, Mike Neighbors, the women's basketball coach at the University of Arkansas. Uh, Nabes might be the smartest guy in the basketball universe, and if anyone has seen him in a clinic, um, he's a great teacher. He's a great clinician. You get something from him. Um, Every time I'm around him, I get something new. I, um, you know, we anytime we have a conversation, I rush my phone and I keep a na- I keep a neighbor's notepad on my phone. I keep it on my computer just because I learned something from him and we trade ideas and you know, like his drills, his practices. Um, he's very open, mm-hmm. you know. And and again, what what I love about him is he's kind of that uh, he's that mentor, he's that friend, but he's also the example. I mean, he was a high school coach in Arkansas. And now he has the job, you know, in the state mm-hmm. of Arkansas. And it's not because not it didn't work. You know, he didn't – I don't think he really, you know, would have – if he would tell you this, he didn't have that um, pedigree. You know, he yep. doesn't have somebody's last name. He doesn't – he's Mike Neighbors. He's from Greenwood, yep. Arkansas. He took a high school job. He decided I want to coach in college. Um, he was making minimal and worked his way up, you know, and gets to Washington as an assistant, gets the head job, goes to the Final Four. Uh, has a chance to come home, comes home, and, you know, we couldn't be happier to have him. Um, and, but just his influence on me is just the, the big thing for that I get from him is he's so innovative. You yeah. know, he's not afraid to try something, yeah. um, and he's not afraid to share. But, you know, his his style, his, his personality is infectious. You know, Michael walked into a coach's clinic with 500 people, and he may walk out of there knowing 499 names. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's that guy. So. Yep. I think uh, two things about him that I've seen, and I've never met him. I've just become a a big fan of his. Um, But I I think him and and Don Meyer are probably the two guys that have been most open to sharing everything about their programs. And I think also with, uh, with coach neighbors is he's, he's very innovative and he's always looking to innovate, but with being an innovator, he's also not afraid to fail and to admit failure, you know, uh, that's my perception from the outside looking in. Uh, no, you're you're, spot, you're pretty spot on. Like he's Mike. Mike will tell you something in a conversation. Like Nate will say something. You're like, you know, it is it pauses you because you're like, man, that's brilliant. You know, and it's like, you know, it, it's just his personality with 
you know, he makes a list of everything. He can tell you his top number one song, his number one movie, his number yep. one TV show. Yep. And it's just his mind's always working. And, and that's something I've tried to, you know, emulate with him is like, if I see a drill, I'll shoot him a text and, and say, hey, what about this? You know, and he'll, oh, I like that, but do this. Uh-huh. And, and he's, he's the guy that he wants to help you, um, you know, as much as he can. And, and he does. I mean, he'll give you great advice. He'll listen. He'll look at stuff. Um, and, and he's just, again, he's just so innovative. I mean, he's mm-hmm. that guy that, I mean, he's the Einstein of our sport. I mean, I really do. I feel like he could change. He could come up with a suggestion. And you may not agree with it, but you're going to think about it because yeah. he's he makes he's a thinker and he puts you in the right spot. And like I said, I think you know, I think he's going to turn make this a really nice program here, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully back on the national level. Another net, I think they got a top twenty five ranking. I mean, right now, so yep. he's he's that guy. Yep. He's that guy that you know you definitely want to hang out with. You know, he'll play guitar, listen country music, and talk basketball. So. Yep. he he owes me. Uh, six weeks of one of my summers because he kept talking about the West Wing on his new letter, newsletters. And I started watching and, and I got hooked. And six weeks later, I, I think I buzzed through the entire series. Uh, you know, I kind of came out of a cave with, with half a beard. My wife didn't recognize me. So, uh, Coach Neighbors, if you're listening, thank you for, for that. So, uh, <laughs> absolutely. A, a guy that just moved to Arkansas, Jim Boone. Yeah. So, Coach Boone and, and Jimmy, you know, they made a Snow Valley trip, um, you know, and they, uh, what I've learned the most about those guys is, you know, they, how much, number one, they love, they believe in what they do and they love what they do. And uh, I, they're close enough now, you know, it's, I mean, I, t- I mean, I told someone this, I guess when it all started going down, you know, we got Coach Boone hired, Musmo's here, you know, Naves is here, and I'm like, this is a basketball heaven right now. Yeah. You love basketball. You know, you've got Fort Smith, which is 45 minutes south of Fayetteville. Um, you know, you've got every style. You've got Mike's Functional Fast. You've got you know, Coach Boone's. Uh, you know, they run. It's basically like watching Virginia. You know, they pack line defense and everything, and their blocker mover, and it's just so. It's been awesome, um, Jim. I remember the first time I ever reached out to him. I called, one asked a question, and he stayed on the phone with me for an hour, and I had two notepads full in an hour. Oh, just on the phone. Wow. Like he's so detailed mm-hmm. and his son, Jimmy's the same way. Um, and so I've been, I'm happy they're close. Um, and just watching how they teach and, you know, the, the focus and the vision they put on everything. Like you can, I mean, I feel like, I, I feel like when you watch those guys, you really, it gets in depth about teaching the game, you know, cause I, there's so many of us that can go out and draw up a play that, you know, we see on TV, we draw it up, we teach the kids, hey, here's the play, you know, you're going to go from A to B. But these guys are teaching decision-making and mm-hmm. footwork and the angles, and it's just, what was really cool for me was I got to watch a, with Dale, it's the free clinic. So we go to the clinic for two days, uh-huh. watch the breakdown drills, and then I went last week to their uh, exhibition game. And it's, you know, it's it's one of those cool things when you, you see the drill happen in the game, you're like, Okay, now it makes sense. And so those guys are just so – they're intriguing to me because, number one, they, they believe in it. And just like with anything, if you if it's important to you, it's important to your team. And what's important to them is starting to bleed into a new team. And I think I think they're going to be a really good team. I think it's going to end up being a great program soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, Doc, you know, Doc was there at, at UA Fort Smith back when it was West Ark. So it's a proud program. It went from JUCO um, to – you know, Division two school now, and 
so there, there's tradition there there's expectation and uh but i think coach boone is just he's another guy that you know he'll he shares and and, and just the belief in what he's doing that that's what i get the most from him is mm-hmm. you know if, if it's important to you it's important to your kids and it can and he's willing to share it and so he's a it's a, he's a great influence on me as well yep last but certainly not least frank martin yeah, so th- this was a, a cool like experience for me. Like, I, f- number one, I think Frank is Frank is Coach Martin whenever, wherever he is. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything about the guy that you know what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think if you haven't seen it, uh, you know, he tells a story when he got really sick at Kansas State, and uh, it was on an ESPN feature. Oh yes, so, I did. I did see that. Yeah, he was you know, near he death, really and they and, they couldn't figure yeah, out what was wrong with him, and yeah. Couldn't figure it out, you know, and then the ain't, you know, the whether, whether you're a believer or not, you know, I believe in what he, what he and so he, uh, you know, and he believes he was healed by an angel that showed up. Well, um, two summers ago, I got the, I was very fortunate, got the opportunity to speak at USA Basketball and uh, for their, one of their coaches' clinics in Vegas, and Coach Martin was there. So I'm a fan, but I don't want to be that fan, you know. Yeah. I, I want to, yeah. oh, hey, hey, Coach, how are you? You know, can I, can I, you know, Come be, can move to South Carolina and be your water boy. Stuff like that, you know? <laughs> hey, Coach, how are you? And there's another for, uh, coach there, Rob Rob Rose, and so you know we're just we're talking and everything. And coach Martin tells us that story in person, and I mean it's a goose. I, I'm, I have goosebumps right now thinking about it. But he's telling the story that I've seen on TV to mm-hmm. us in person, and he's you know he gets kind of wouldn't say emotional, but you can tell it's. I mean, and that's when I realized like this guy's who he is. You know, like mm-hmm. I've been. We've all seen coaches that you think who they are, and then you have maybe he's not. Frank Martin's Frank Martin, twenty four seven. Yep. And and that's one of the things I love about him is, you know, he's got that fire and passion, um, but he's still. I think I think the, at the root of it, he's a he's a great person, and I told him that. You know, anytime I've reached out to him, he's responded. He's been awesome. So he's a uh, he, he's that guy that I think like. I know I can't be him, and I think it's a mistake a lot of young coaches do is they they pick a coach and say I'm going to be just like that guy. Well, nobody can be just like him. Yep. No, but his influence of be who yourself. I think that's what I get the most from him. Yep. So we've gone through this list and and great people. Uh, my next question is: Is there somebody out there that you haven't had a chance to sit down and and, and talk with? If there was one person that you know, kind of a bucket list. Uh, this is the coach I'd really like to sit down and talk shop with for an hour with, I don't know, maybe a pen and a napkin. Um, you know, uh, who would that be? That's funny because we had, we did, like I'm in a group text with a bunch of coaches and we were talking about who's the one guy you want to sit down with, you know, living or dead. And, uh, you know, and it kind of bounced around and stuff. My deceased would be Mr. Iba. Sure. For the simple fact that just you call him Mr. Iva, yeah, you know, like that made that that was always so intriguing to me. It was like, why would, why would they, you know, why did I would, you know, I don't want to be called Mr. White. I want to be called, Co- but there was so much respect, and the Tate still stories about, oh, you know, I went and sat down with Mr. Iva, and I'm like, that, that blows my mind. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think um, Brad Stevens is intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think one of the things is I think my first question would be you know number one like 
are, are you happy in the NBA? Because I know he's a teacher of the game, the coach's coach. And I knew he's done a great job at Boston, but uh-huh. you know there was just something about him on the college game, seeing what he did at Butler. I mean, granted, he had pros. Yeah. Let's be honest, it wasn't him and a JV team. He had some pros on there, but to do what he did back-to-back years, we uh, we got to go watch his practice. Uh, took a coach's trip, and it was a year after the runner-up. And uh, can't he? You know, you walk in, and he's out there on the floor. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm losing. I'm looking around, and he's got a broom in the corner, sweeping up some stuff. And then he goes back, and then they start doing some other drills. And I miss him again. Well, he's pushing a basket out for Ronald Norrie to shoot free throws on. Yeah. And then you know, it's just crazy. Like you're like this guy playing a national championship. And still and doing the grunt work. Yeah, well, and then this lady comes out there and just kind of wears him out. He, like, blows whistle, team comes in, they all jog off, and I'm like, well, that's weird. He walks by to me and a couple of the coaches that are sitting there, and he goes, I forgot volleyball's got a game, we got to get out of here. So they go to a practice gym. You know, and I'm like, this guy, this guy was on TV, like, in the national championship, and he's good dealing with stuff that high school coaches deal with, <laughs> about having to share a floor, having to clean the floor, and and so afterwards, we, uh, you know, we're getting ready to leave. And he goes, well, come on in the office. And so I get me and uh, the guys I travel with, we go in the office and, you know, everybody's asking questions. And I, I was like, coach, I said, what was it like looking down and seeing Mike Krzyzewski down there? I mean, you're coaching against Coach K. And he said, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And he said, now the first time I coached against Bobby Knight, he said, I kept staring at him. He goes, and then my assistants kept saying, he's going to cuss at you. You better stop, you know, because he said uh, – <laughs> I'm an Indiana kid. He said, you know, I kept looking down there like, I'm on the sideline with Bobby Knight. So he's a guy I'd really would like to just sit down and just kind of pick even more in his head. Yeah. You know, like, what what makes you tick? What made this? I mean, you know, if, if you ask him what made the decision, well, the easy answer is love, money, but, you know, the Boston yeah. Celtics. But there was something, you know, I think that I'd really like to know what makes him tick. So sure. that would probably be the one that I've never really – had an X and O. I got to watch his practice. I got to have a candid conversation about what was it like coaching. I mean, we're the same age, you know, it's kind of cool with that, but yeah, that, that would be the thing for me is like really just what makes him tick and, and what he looks at. So gotcha. Well, um, I, I did a little Twitter trolling on you. So, uh, okay. if, if you got and and, uh, if, if you, if there's like a, a, a restraining order or something that passes through Twitter or whatever. I, I spent about an hour kind of going through your stuff today and I picked out a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Um, and, and you kind of referred to this, uh, one already. Um, you, you put on there, um, you know, you kind of reference that, you know, I'm not sure what I'm doing is right or who I am or so, however you phrased it. Uh, but you said, I'm always searching for a better way to do things. I know that for sure. I'm always searching for a better way to do things. Um, you know, how important is that for, for our coaches listening to, to have that mindset? I think, I mean, I I think the most dangerous thing phrase, and I read this somewhere, I saw it on a board or something, you know, as we've always done it that way. I I think that's a death sentence. And and so that's, that's the thing with me, like, you know, I'll get a discussion and one coach was telling me, well, I don't want to doubt myself. I don't doubt myself. I'm just always looking to be better. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big mentality uh, that we all need. You know, that never want to be the, the know-it-all, want to be the learn-it-all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 
a big thing for me, like we hit on earlier about when I was a younger coach, and I try to do more now. I mean, is just listen, listening to learn, not listening to respond. Um, I sent, you know, I'll, if some, a coach asks me a question about something on offense, if it's general, I'll just give a general answer. But if it's something detailed about I want to do this, I'll give them my, my cell phone number, my email, like tell me about your program because I, I learned uh, don't ever take advice from somebody with nothing at stake giving it. You know, like if I tell you, hey, Marty, you need to look at this offense. Well, I, what am I done you for? Is that because I'm trying to sell my a DVD or am I, you know, or am I saying, no, I want to help you. So tell me what your situation is. Like if I know a little bit more about your players, about you, then I feel like I can be, you know, be an asset because, mm-hmm. you know, I've like, I've been fortunate enough to be on both sides of, I'm in a school, I've coached at one of the biggest schools in Arkansas, I've coached at one of the small schools in Arkansas. I know what it's like to not have an assistant practice. I know what it's like to have two assistants. I know what it's, and so sometimes you're looking, you're asking questions because you don't, you're by yourself. You yeah. need someone. Yeah. So I think that's the thing I was getting to is just always being willing to adjust. Gotcha. Well, we are going to transition here to the Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, you know, at a certain point, approximately halfway through the pod, we we always do this here. And coach, you said you've listened to to all the 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 pods so far, which I really appreciate. Um, so uh, we're going to go with this one here today. And, Coach, if you want to comment it after on it, you know, feel free. Uh, but the Don Meyer quote of the day is, we sure didn't play great, but we played hard, and I can live with that. Um, I think as you get older, as you develop in your coaching career, I think that's what you look for more than anything else. Don't you think, Coach? You know, there, there's so much wisdom, and uh, Coach Boone talks about Don Meyer and, and you know, with a lot of – I just respect and, and just how how open he was. And, um, our, we actually had Don Meyer come in for a clinic here in Arkansas, and it was you know, and he he was there all day and just I, like you said there, like I don't remember any X and O that he told us, but I remember hey, hey, he taught us about life and how how to be a coach and what to do on that. So I have a friend that got out of coaching a couple of years ago, and he always reminds me that. And, you know, it's not that important. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, what you get caught up worrying about. Um, I don't, you know, and he uses this phrase right here, like, Marty, could you tell me who won the 2004 Nebraska State Championship? (laughs) And you probably got got to think about it. No, I don't, because we finished runner-up, and I know who beat us. I, I okay that one I oh no I do because we finished second in the state uh, we, we finished number two in the polls we finished fourth in the state tournament so the the two years you're you're breaking my heart Greg you're killing, yeah you're killing my, uh, my <laughs> I, I don't your heart you're killing my example but most people on the street don't know you know and so we us coaches we stress so much over you know uh, wins and losses and all that going to the paper and he's like in the, in the big picture it doesn't matter it matters how those kids feel what they're going to remember and you know, when they come home and, uh, and, and you know, and I, I believe that too. I mean, it's one of those that, you know, as long as they're doing what we ask them to do, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't know anybody that's undefeated in their career. Yeah. Uh, I don't know any kids never missed a shot. I don't know a coach that's won them all. And so it's, that that's the big thing is, are we doing things the right way? Uh, can I go home and sleep at night knowing that I'm not breaking rules? I'm, yep. I'm uh, you know, that I think that's the big thing. So no, I think yeah. that's, that's a great quote there. Yeah. 
Sorry, I killed your example. Yeah, you killed my example. I should have <laughs> should have scouted that out a little better. <laughs> well, you know, I'll get out a box of Kleenex now that you reminded me of those two seasons. After we're done, I'll have to sob myself to sleep here tonight. Once so the, uh, the podcast ends abruptly. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming. See you. I'm All cutting right. you off. No, no, uh, uh, no. That's no problem at all. That's that's funny. You know, out of out of 130 years of basketball, you pick uh, two of the. Uh, uh, yeah. toughest years but you know what in, in both of those situations uh, like you were talking about uh, no regrets um, it, you know it, it hurt at the time but sure. gosh you know uh, we you know you left it hot on the floor and it's like coach Meyer says in the quote there you know I can live with that and and that's exactly what it should be about and that's all you can ask for from your kids so um, let's get into I'm, I'm going to give you the option here. All right, I got four okay. things. I got, and I'm not. I'm not done Twitter trolling with you because I think there's something that I found on your Twitter that you spoke about on multiple occasions. But I'm going to save that to the end. But I think we have this in common. So um, I just want to put that little nugget in the back of your head. I'm going to, you know, a little anticipation for you for that at the end here. So um, here's four things, and it has nothing to do with basketball. By the way, it has nothing uh-huh. to do with basketball. So. Um, Offense, practice planning, transition D, or and I think you call it the gamble road defense. Um, you pick what you want to talk about first, but I want to hit those four things with you. Okay. Uh, we'll start with gamble road. Let's go gamble road. Okay. So um, our, our school name is Benville West. Uh, we're, we're open. This is our fourth year, Benville High School. Uh, where I'm located is in northwest Arkansas, 40 minutes north of University of Arkansas, Fayetteville. Bentville is home to Walmart. Okay. Um, so population boom in this part of the state. Second high school opens. We're named Bentville West. Um, you know, and so the first time when we get the job, you know, we're the second school, you know, the new school. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to find an identity. And uh, Mike Jones guy at Damatha, you know, I saw him put on Twitter, Madison Street Hoops. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I run outside. I don't even know what our name of our street is. Like, I mean, that's how new the school is. That's how new we are at the area. Sure. So we go out and look, what's Gamble Road? I'm like, that's the coolest name ever. That is. So so we come up with, you know, Gamble Road Hoops, and we kind of steal that from Mike and kind of start talking about it. Well, it kind of becomes its own brand for us is, you know, Gamble Road. And we have it on, of course, it's a shirt and everything. But we talk about Gamble Road defense. uh you know, Arkansas, if you haven't been here, it's, you know, it's not what it sounds like what you think. It's, we have paved roads. You know, it's, <laughs> everybody has teeth. We don't marry our cousins. It's, I mean, it's a nice place. But where we're at, we have a, uh, down the road from us, there's literally a dirt road. Mm-hmm. So we talk about dirt road tough. And we talk about, um, you know, that, that, that being our culture, being a tough, tough minded team. And so, Anything we discuss on, you know, Gamble Road is kind of part of our brand and how we do things. And so that became the, uh, I wouldn't say the motto, but the measuring stick for us. Cool. So Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea, you know, taking the environment where your school is and, and turning it into a branding opportunity for your program. I think that's a terrific idea. I I literally had no idea what it was, but like I said, I Twitter trolled you pretty hard and picked up on a couple of things here, so I definitely wanted to ask you about that. Um, um, let's go practice planning. Let's go practice planning. Uh, describe 
your practices and, and how you come about it and, and what you think about as you're putting that together. And, and uh, yeah, just go through that with our, with our listeners. I think the big thing for us is efficiency. Um, you know, we got a great, great setup, big to, uh, you know, we have a big arena, we have an auxiliary gym for practice. Uh, but, you know, we do share that with volleyball. We share with girls basketball. So number one is efficiency, knowing where we're going to be at, number of baskets. Um, you know, is it a weightlifting day, time like that? So the efficiency part is a big thing for me. We always want to incorporate skill work. Um, we do take slot box drills every day. We do footwork. Uh, footwork is probably my number one thing right now. Um, I just feel like the poor footwork is either is laziness, number one, either by the coach for allowing it or by the player for not focusing on it. And so we always spend some time up with footwork. Uh, then we're going to get some skill work. I try to let my, my coaches coach and practice as much as possible because something, you know, as an assistant, they feel like sometimes they're just there. And so I always want my guys to feel like they have input. Um, so we try to divide up into groups. If I'm with a group, they're with the, either one of them is with me or sometimes they'll each have a group and I just monitor and go back and forth. Um, but I think that's got to be a big thing is there's got to be a lot of, if you got, if you have a staff of more than one, then why are, why isn't everybody working? Because you can get so much more done. And so the efficiency thing is really big for us. Um, we try to play as much live as we can. Our offense um, is dictated off reads of the defense, so five on zero doesn't really fit us. Um, if we're going to teach things, we might walk through it five on zero just to talk about what footwork they should use, what they might see, and then we put a defense on as quick as possible. Okay. Uh, that, that comes from a Tate's quote. Uh, you know, if you're going to fight in the Pacific, you got to train in the Pacific. And so we uh, we try to make it game like as much as possible. Okay, I like that quote. Um, that's really good. Um, how much uh, how much do you adjust your your practices as the the season goes along? Um, do you have uh, uh, you know, how much do you adjust your practice planning uh, to your to your teams from year to year? In the sense of, you know, I'm gonna I'm 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 fluid enough with my stuff that I'm willing to experiment it and match it, try to match it with my personnel. Or um, this is what I'm gonna do. This is how we're gonna do it. And the kids kind of because I think this is the best way we have to do it. There, it's about fifty fifty. Um, you know, we believe. You know, in our gamble road principle and defense, so we're going to do alley drills a lot. We're going to work on, um, you know, defending ball screens. These are the things we're going to do a certain way every year, regardless of personnel. The rest of it is kind of based on needs. Okay. And so I think you can't be, at least I believe on the high school level, you can't be just so married to one style because I don't get to pick what my roster looks like every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago, my uh, my shortest starter was, I think he was 5'10", he's 6'2 now. He was 5'10", and the rest of our starting lineup was 6'4 or bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we've got maybe two 6'4 kids on the in our roster, like right in our starting roster right now, 6'7", mm-hmm. that's come along. But So I think you can't just marry to one style. I think that's, you know, there, there's certain places you can. Um, where I'm at, you can't. Um, mm-hmm. So we dictate... But based off what we have in the gym, not, I mean, it's kind of a thing. This is what I want to do, but I'm also not arrogant enough to think I. This is what I can do all the time. I mean, we, I've got to adjust and make things happen. So, 
Gotcha. I think it's about 50-50. Gotcha. Okay. Um, as you're as you're putting together uh, your offensive system, and, and you talk, one of the other things you wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, offense and offensive ideas, um, that type of stuff. Uh, you know, what do you guys kind of consistently run? Uh, what, you know, how do you teach that? How do you implement that? Uh, what are you looking for out of your offense? Other than the obvious, you know, let's score more points than the other guy. Sure. Um, so going back to the Snow Valley influence, um, one of the trademarks of Snow Valley is, is a cutthroat. It's mm-hmm. a four-on-four game with three simple rules. Um, every time you catch it, you have to square up at the basket. Um, if you pass, you have to move with a purpose, meaning cut hard, go set a screen, go screen away. And my favorite rule, which is one of our standards of our program, is if I score on assist, I have to thank the passer. And, and I think that's so important in today's game because an attitude of gratitude eliminates you know any chance to be selfish. Mm-hmm. So we we chart it in games. Um, if I if I score off an assist, I have to you know vocally and and with a visual point. Uh, to the person that passed him, and you can chart the point. You know, the vocal's kind of hard, so that's all we make them do, too. But that's kind of the basis of our offense. We play cutthroat um, all through the offseason. We rarely play five-on-five. It it teaches you to play. It teaches you to play the right way. And so a lot of our um, offense is based off cutthroat uh, principles. Mm -hmm. On my game sheet, my card, I keep in my pocket. I have a quote on it that says, when all else fails, play cutthroat. And so when we... You know, we may try to run a couple of our offensive, you know, patterns and and a couple of our sets or calls, and if nothing's working, we just we go to cutthroat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of what the basis of our offense here has been. Um, we try to mix things like we really like to screen. Uh, teams in our league would tell you we're very physical. Um, you know, we're in the farthest northwest corner of, of Arkansas, so instead of I tell people instead of being an SEC school trying to run and play fast, we're more of a Big Ten. Uh, we want to beat you up a little bit, mm-hmm. so that that ties into our offense and defense mentality. But uh, you know, the big thing for us is just efficient. Take smart shots. Um, Mike Neighbors says this a lot. You know, Neighbors will say, "Make them wrong for being right." Um, you know, we we're talking about the defense, and so we we try to find what you teach. So if I know you're teaching up the line on the line, I'm going to try to backdoor you and open it up. And, because if I can make you doubt your coach, then then that's a win for me right there. Mm-hmm. And so we try to use what you're teaching your team against you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one of the big things we look at on our offensive end. You do a lot of – it sounds like it's a, a lot of motion principles. It is. Um, but it's – you know, I always – I argue with people about what true motion is. True motion would mean all five can shoot anywhere they want, when they want. You know, that's that's that doesn't even happen in Coach Knight's system. Um mm-hmm. So we, we teach you how to read the screen, how to watch the defense. You know, don't stare at the ball. The ball will find you. Um, yeah, I, I use this visual with my players. Um, so the, per, the the guy guarding you, that's your girlfriend. And the basketball is a really cute girl across the room. You don't want to get caught staring at the ball, but you got to peek at it every once in a while. <laughs> and they laugh. But it makes them that they pay attention to that. So it's something they understand. So you watch your defender. That tells you where, you're, where to go, you know. Um, so we try to make it as real life and as relaxed as they can, but we're also trying to like, hey, this is why you do that. So, mm-hmm. do you do you like to go uh, 
like a five out, like a Milwaukee Bucks type of look, or, you know, four out, three out, you know, or, or are you just kind of matching that up with the personnel that you have on a given, in a given year? Uh, I would probably be more, uh, I would probably be more aligned with the four out one end, but again, mm-hmm. it just, based on what we have, um, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago, we were, I think we'd have been one out four in, <laughs> we were so big and, not, and then, you know, then we kind of married into a three out two and then last year we were up five out and this year I think we'll be a four out one, maybe a three, two. Mm-hmm. So uh, how much do you incorporate ball screens with your stuff? A ton. Uh-huh. A ton. Um, it, I think it's the best thing for me about a ball screen is this. It's the one thing on defense that you have to address in practice, how you're going to cover it. And now I can get your staff debating on what's the best because you know, if you say we're just going to trap it, all right, perfect. Then we're going to treat like a fast break. Um, you know, if I set a ball screen on the wing, what are you going to do? Are you going to treat that different than a flat in the middle? Or are you going to teach it treat it different than a slide? And so the more we can put you having to talk and practice about what we're doing, the less time you're focused on what you're doing. And so we, uh, not that we're too complex, we just want to make sure that there's actions that you have to think about, discuss, and decide what's the best way to guard. And the positive thing for us is for everyone. Every action we have, we also have a reaction. So we're going to have a, you know, now you've got to find a way to stop two ways. And so we try to find three attacks for everything. So you're thinking, okay, what if he does this? We're going to guard this way. Well, then he'll do this. We're going to guard this way. And, and because we've had time to prepare, we've, we've already got step three, too. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it, it, it works on every level mm-hmm. um, for a reason. Not because it's bad defense, not because it's, it's one of the hardest things to stop. So mm-hmm. we, we really like it. One of the things, just curious about this, um, and I coached girls slash women's for 23 of my 24 years. Uh, and maybe it's maybe it's a gender difference, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I just want to kind of, like you said, I want to get to the right way to do it. Um, it always seemed like when we went ball screen heavy, um, we did a lot of standing, and we just became dependent on just going to screen on the ball. And it was hard to to break them, or not break them, it was hard to still say, okay, yeah, we're running some ball screen concept here, but we still got to get some off-ball action. We still got to get some movement there. Um, do you see that with 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 your guys? And, and if so, um, or if you haven't, what are some things that you do to teach that to prevent that you know, the other three guys are just watching the other two guys running the, the ball screen action. Well, we tell our guys up front, if we're scoring off a ball screen, we're not going to be doing it long because they're going to be in a zone or we're going to score so much you're going to sit. Um, it's really to set up. I think good ball screen defense involves all five players. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is have action away from the ball that pulls people away from help, that makes people have to decide, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier, make them wrong for being right. If I know I'm supposed to be on the nail and help, and my guy's involved in a flare screen, you know, do I do I do my job or do I get, you know, do I want to be embarrassed because my guy drops twenty? And mm-hmm. so we always have something going away from it. Um, you know, we said it, and that's one of the things too about the different angles when it's on a wing, which is what most people think of on ball screen. Um, we always want an empty corner because that way there's no tag on the roller. So now you've got to bring help from one or the other from the far side, from the rim, probably. So now we have a guy in the corner, and then we try to incorporate uh, the other two, what would be the high guys, involved in some action. 
So now the corner guy's on an island by himself. The top two guys are involved in some things, so they can't really help. And so if we can turn the corner and get to the nail area, you know, we see that skip past the corner, and it's really hard to get out there. So it's, it's again, it just goes against a lot. Of what we're trying to do is, number one, catch your defense doing the right thing and make them wrong for it. Mm-hmm. And then when you adjust, we adjust. And so it's uh, that's the thing. But you're right, there is a lot of times where, you know, the other three just, they're told to space out, get out of the way, and they stand, and their three defenders run to the lane, and now you're not getting anything except a skip pass. So. Yeah, a lot of it's just the pace and the and the place it takes you know takes part. Yeah, yeah, and again, I don't know. Um, obviously, guys stereotypically play more uh, pickup ball than than girls do, but we actually tried to emphasize. Okay, we can always, you know, bail. Out, I don't want to say bail ourselves out, but we can always use a ball screen. Uh, let's keep working on moving without the ball, moving without the ball, and again, that just might be a difference in in, in genders or something like that. You know, um, it, it happens with our young players because uh-huh. you know when you say go screen, they sprint to the ball. Like all four of them. <laughs> okay, you know, like, no, 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 go screen away from the ball. Yeah, and the very next play, they all run the ball again. You know, and yep. you're like, no, that's not what it means. You know, so yeah, I think it's just got to be repped like anything. Yep, yep. Um, transition defense. That was another thing you wanted to talk about. Kind of uh, tell our listeners about your transition defense philosophy and um, what uh, you know what you try to do. Um, you know, getting back and, and your concepts there. So we assign uh, get back, and you know a lot of coaches do this too. We assign a get back. We assign a, a half back. Um, right now we're we're one and a half back. Based on our scouting report, we could be. Two back, two full back. We could be three. We could be all five. Uh, we're actually working on tag rebounding right now, which is kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say a fad because I think it's really good, but, you know, that's where the offensive rebound. Offensive um, player tries to get to the high side of a um, defender and hold, and it keeps him in front. Does two things. It allows you to tip out a long rebound. Mm-hmm. But it also gives you a chance, you know, to keep them from fast breaking. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things I like is we play a very athletic schedule early. And if I tag up, he's not able to run because he's going to run into a body. Mm-hmm. But the, the scary part is if he once he gets around that body, you're in a foot race every time. So I think it's uh, it's important for us. So much of the game is in transition now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not working transition defense, you're, you're probably doing something wrong. I mean, it's it's something you've got to address daily, and we try to finish every offensive play with a get back guy. Um, you know, if if we're doing half court work and we make a great play, hit a corner three, and our get back guy didn't get to a spot, we don't you know no basket, you know, flip the defense offense because our our transition defense begins while the shots in the air. Yep. You know, even. And that's what we stress is, you know, don't don't admire the shot, get your job. You know, we'll high five and you're in a dead ball, like get to where you're supposed to do, finish the play. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and there's no guarantee that shot's going in, so you still have to do your job all the well, way through the possession. And that's the thing too, like we tell our get back guy, you know, you're not a rebounder. Why would you not be going where you're supposed to? You know, and there, we we tried to change um, some of the rules because my son's a get back guy, and he's very. Um, literal if i say get back he takes off well the rebound might hit him in the back of the head he's not gonna turn around. 
So yeah. now we've talked about routes to get back. You know, like if, if you're in the corner and the shot's on the opposite wing, you know, take a route to the lane, you know, just to t- take a glimpse because mm-hmm. it's not like the ball's going to hit and ricochet out, which it could, I guess, but it's not like you're going to be so far out of position not that you can't get back and still be in the play. So. Mm-hmm. What are, uh, What's one or two of your favorite drills to really teach those concepts? Um, I, I think, again, just anytime you can be live five on five as much as possible because I don't do rebounding drills uh, because everybody's an All-American rebounder. You know, we used to line up two, two lines on the elbow, coach in the middle shooting, you know, block out. Everybody's going to block out. Are they going yeah. to do their job when it's the ball's been swung side to side to side and there's a shot? I mean, that's mm-hmm. when it matters. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll teach technique. Um, this is how you rebound. This is how you the contact. This is how you hit with a forearm and turn. Um, everybody understand. Let's walk the drive. We're good. Take here we go. Mm-hmm. So we dive right into it. And so yeah, um, that's one concept of the game. I spent a lot of time on early in my career with rebounding drills, and you know if I get back into it. Um, I, I think it's just kind of like what you said. Here's a couple. Here's some technique. Now we're going to rebound, and we're going to watch rebounding on every drill. But that that ten minutes every day that we used on rebounding, um, just rebounding drills, we're going to spend on shooting or sure. you know that type of stuff. And I that's definitely one adjustment I would make um, if I get back into it. You know. Yeah, and that, that's the thing too. Like. You know, if you're in a situation with a big staff, you can just assign a coach as, hey, what's rebounding today? Mm-hmm. You know, and so every drill becomes a rebounding drill. Yep. Yep. Uh, coach, you got a website, don't you? Yes. Y- you want to plug that real quick? It is threefromthecorner.com. Okay. Threefromthecorner.com. What do you, uh, I looked at it today, again, with my with my semi-stocking of you the last couple of days, but just uh, for our listeners, just give them a little bit of a description of what they could find there. Uh, it's a, it's basically just a blog. Um, I haven't been real active on it. I have a lot of ideas ready for it. I just haven't taken a day to set and finish them. Um, we just talk about topics that mm-hmm. are in the game. Um, you know, some stuff about, you know, just coaching in general, um, about coaching your kids, you know, just anything that kind of comes to mind that, I think could help other coaches. Um, it kind of became a think out loud. Mm-hmm. Like that's how Twitter started for me was, you know, someone said that once Twitter is a conversation with yourself. You just hope someone else agrees. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so that's kind of where the blog started too. was, Hey, I'm really thinking about this. Um, you put it on paper or you put it on your keyboard and look at it and it's in, you know, yeah. and, you know, there's some topics that really, resonate with people and there's some that you're like oh that was just for me but that you know it's still okay too it's a it's a healthy expression so yep exactly yep. exactly yeah there's some good stuff on there i i like i said i spent some time on there uh, the last day or two and um you know i i you know there's some i really like what you wrote about with your birthday you know and uh turning 43 i believe it was um just some just some introspective thoughts there yeah. that you had on that yeah you know? that's kind of that's what it's been. And like I said, I've got some topics prepared. Um, I'm really trying to become more uh, disciplined about getting on there during the season mm-hmm. and, you know, talking about some things that maybe not what I'm exactly going through, you know, because that's when that's one of those things where people read something and they think it's the mirror, you know, yeah. and it's no, it's not about you. It's just, 
So I'm, I'm kind of careful about when I post topics and what they're about. Sure. Um, trying to keep it as general as possible. But again, like there's some things that, you know, like we talk about tryouts on there and how hard that is. And so I've got one kind of an update on tryouts, just some ideas, um, trying to soften the flow. Cause I tell everybody that's the worst day in, in my year. Absolutely. We, we Absolutely. get to your last game. It hurts for a little bit. It hurts for the seniors leaving. Um, we have tryouts in a couple of weeks and I got to tell a kid he's not good enough. That's, that's a, that's one of the worst feelings there yeah. is. So Yeah. Uh, three worst days of the coach's year is getting all the uniforms organized to check them out, uh, getting all the uniforms back in and putting them all away. And if you have to cut kids, those are the three worst days of the year. Absolutely. Without a doubt. So, well, coach, there's one more thing I want to talk about with you. And like I said, it has literally nothing to do with basketball, but I saw it on your Twitter and it it hit a special place in my heart, and judging by what you put on there, I, I think we have a shared passion with this very topic here. Uh, are you ready? All right. All right. Ghost runners and wiffle ball. <laughs> so I uh, like so like I mentioned earlier, I grew up uh, you know single. I'm a I'm an only child. I have a I have a half sister from my dad's first marriage, but. Uh, Lisa grew up in Dallas. I grew up in Hot Springs. Uh, we're closer now, but at the time, you know, we we were raised as only children. Um, my dad died when, I, or our dad died when I was five, and so I uh, I was home a lot. I was a latchkey kid. You know, mm-hmm. if I didn't have practice after school, I got home, waited for my mom to get home. Um, mm-hmm. And in a two, and I don't really call them city blocks because I didn't know what a city block was until I got older. Um, you know, it was just you know this street, that street, yep. where people lived there are four of us that are high school coaches that lived within two streets of each other. Okay. And so competition was always there. Um, and it was fun. My cousin Ryan, um, they lived, that's where I spent most of my time, um, with them. And they're, uh, that Ryan has, they were, there were four brothers. Uh, Jeff was the closest to my age and Jeff was, uh, was killed in that. He was, he was killed in an accident when he was eight. And so what I didn't know at the time was I was kind of filling that void for them at the table. And, mm-hmm. and what I didn't realize at the time was that was the, you know, the father figure I needed at home. And, mm-hmm. and so we were in the front yard. Um, it, it's sad driving by there now, both of Ryan's and Matt, their parents are deceased. Uh, there's grass in the yard. When I grew up, there was, there was a dirt yard because <laughs> it was always wiffle ball, football, basketball. Yep. Um, I, I didn't know they didn't have grass i just knew that's what we played so <laughs> there were constantly games going on yeah. um, whatever the season was and whether it was two of us four of us six of us um you know you learn about ghost men and you yeah. learn about making up rules um you know you've got you're playing pickle or hot box what people call it you know yep. there's three of you in baseball um if there's only two of you then you're throwing it up really high so they can take off and trying to catch it and run them down and so I think that's what we miss with our kids is imagination. Um, you know, that there's youth sports is such a, I mean, it's a, it's a hot button with me because there's nothing wrong with the youth and there's nothing wrong with the sports. Um, but there's a ton of problems Yeah, and we, I feel like we just need more of ghost runners and neighborhood games. And, you know, that, that's a, that's what childhood was, you know, arguing about, Hey, look, uh, you know, how fast is your ghost runner? How, and 
you know, the tag up rules and things like that, that we were just, you know, we, we just figured out ways to play and compete. And there was never an adult around. The only time, one time the adult was around was when we were about, we got in trouble and, you know, he's coming out. And, you know, James would, uh, hit, we always laugh. We talk about it, you know, we could hear his belt loop, you know, from outside through the glass. And, you know, and he was just going to get whoever he got a hold of. Right? No if it was his kid or not. And so, you know, we all kind of grew up with that. And there were different rules at everybody's house, you know. Yeah. Uh, the oh, yeah. Home run rules. And so it was just yep. it was a great time growing up, you know, and I missed that for my kids and kids we talked to. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, my, uh, my mom passed away about 10 years ago and, I had to tell her, you know, we're having our last talk, and I was like, uh, hey, I need to apologize. I used to lie to you. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, you would go into church on Wednesday nights, and I would drive down to the Y and play three-on-three. Three. And she said, I would. She said, well, I knew. And I was like, how would you know? And she said, well, son, nobody sweats that much in church unless they're a bad kid, you know. And, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we were, we were constantly looking for games that uh-huh. weren't organized by anybody. Yeah. You know, it was just that, – yeah. that was the fun thing about growing up, and that's what I miss for this generation is – you know, sadly, the fear to let your kid go to a park and play. But you yeah. know, the other part is the over involvement. I mean, mm-hmm. we got we got kid, we got guys talking about you know how ranked their second grade team is. And, oh, and geez. Just, you know, it's it just it takes the joy away. I mean, there's a study out: kids are quitting sports by age 13 because of stress. I mean, come on, yeah. What are we doing? So yeah, so yeah, that's a that was kind of the nostalgic. Uh, I posted on there, I think yesterday. Kevin yeah. trailers a. He's a great writer in our area. Loves sports. Loves loves youth. He actually wrote a, a newspaper article about go, how fast oh, ghost runners were. So. You got you got to send that to me. Um, oh, yeah, um, I I I I was I, I'm a history teacher. Uh, I'm you know coached basketball for a long time. You know all these things. I would give it all up yesterday. Other than my family, I would give it all up to be a professional wiffle ball player. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I would go out in uh, the backyard and I told you about how big the lot that our, our house was on. And, uh, we had a huge backyard with no trees in the middle of the lot. So we had this big wide open area and we would have, you know, six on six, seven on seven wiffle ball games. And, uh, it was right across the street from the city park, uh, where I grew up, uh, in town there. And, uh, I learned I'm, I'm right-handed throwing and hitting, but I learned how to hit left-handed because I wanted to hit the wiffle ball like, uh, you know, baseball players of the eighties at the time. And I, you know, you just throw that, that ball up for hours upon end, smacking it around and imitating, uh, baseball stances and stuff like that. So, um, and my dad, when I got into like high school baseball, uh, I was always late with my swing and, and, um, you know, it was always because I wasn't very athletic, but he, he, he always blamed it on wiffle ball. And he said, <laughs> you know, from the time, uh, baseball practice starts in Iowa, we started on May 1st every year. Uh, you know, baseball practice starts on May 1st and you're not allowed to pick up a wiffle ball bat until, your baseball season is over because I think it screws up your swing. And he's just trying to help me out, you know? Uh, but God, I just, I, I was, I was like a crack addict wanting to get back out at that wiffle ball thing, even when I was 14, 15 years old. So, um, I, I miss, uh, I miss having that big yard and, and smacking the wiffle ball around. That was one of my, the joys of my childhood was playing wiffle ball. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good memories for a lot of us for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, so well, I, I, I hadn't seen anything on Wiffle Ball in a while, and I saw that on your feed, and I'm like, okay, we're, we're I can I, – I, I know we're kindred spirits right now because if we're if we're throwing the wiffle ball up and around and or were you guys uh, could you hit a guy with the wiffle ball while they were running and and count oh, them absolutely. out? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and there was no none of this below the waist anything. I mean, you were throwing as hard as you could at them. Like it was a whelp. Um, you know, Ryan. Uh, I'll make sure Ryan listens to this. Ryan had to came up with the rule that if you know it was you had to alternate bats. So if you were right-handed like me and you were the second mm-hmm. time up you had to bat left-handed oh okay uh yeah okay and then we had rules like you know in arkansas most people are cardinals fans growing up so if you didn't know the lineup it was an out so like i had to know you know tommy hurts at second base ozzy smith's yep. shortstop terry pendleton third, yep. you know yep. jack clark's first and even like I, that's crazy i can remember that and i don't know oh. that, where my keys are right now i remember <laughs> all that stuff but I, I can still rattle off the uh, the batting order for the '84 Cubs, so yeah. so, so don't that, feel bad. That's important stuff to know. Oh, you absolutely. Know I, mean? I used to tell people all the time, growing up as a kid, I'd get hit in the head, and my concussion test was, "Could I remember the code to fight Mike Tyson? If I could, I'm good. <laughs> well, lights are clear." How about uh, so, uh, unlimited guys on Contra? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start. There you have it. There you have it. Yeah. I won't remember my children's names on my deathbed, but I will remember how to get unlimited guys on Contra. I will tell you Better that right it. now. So, believe it. Uh, preferred wiffle ball. The the one, uh, the, the half solid with the little funky holes on the other half or the the 360 circles all the way around the ball? Uh, I like the what I would refer to as the original with the three. The half ball. Okay. Yep. You know what I'm intrigued by? There's this new thing I call a jump ball. I don't know if you've seen that uh-uh. in the store. Uh-uh. It has holes in different areas. You can throw curveballs, rising balls, all this stuff. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Oh, I. you shouldn't have told me that because now, now I might start draining out of my 401k or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. If if uh, if folks are still listening, uh, I apologize for the the six minute tangent on on wiffle ball, but it was just something that had to be done. And you know what? It's my podcast, so I could talk about whatever I want to talk about here. So well, you know, you might edit it, put this at the beginning. I mean, <laughs> everybody, you know, so well, see, that's why I teased it uh, in the middle because I wanted to. Sure. Okay, what are they going to talk about? What what can they talk now? Anybody that knows me, uh, they're like. You know that sounds like something stupid that Plum would want to talk about on a podcast. So uh, it, it, it's cool. You know, it's you can't win either way. So I'll I'll live with it. So, but uh, uh, Greg, this has been great. I've I've had a blast talking with you here tonight. Um, I have really enjoyed. It. I hope you've enjoyed being on the pod. Absolutely, one of my, one of the fun ones for sure. So thanks for having me on. No, I and I, uh, buddy of mine uh, from Sioux City, we went to college together. We actually. We talked about going down to Arkansas and like hitting Coach Neighbors practice and Coach Musselman's practice and and you know now with with Coach Boone in that area and and you know there you know we can we can hit a high school practice we can hit a D two practice we can hit a women's practice we can hit a D one men's practice uh, I think that's a I think that's a trip I'm gonna have to make here in the next few months so um, yeah we had a. Uh... We had a coach come in, um, had a couple coaches in from Missouri last week. I've got a coach coming up from Texas. Um, so, yeah, let me know. We'd love anybody that wants to do that. Like, we'll try to help them, you know, schedule where they can see as much as they want. I mean, there's a lot of 
a lot of really good coaches in the area. I mean, the three you named at the universities, obviously, but there's some mm. great high school guys that I can hook them up with too, and it's a, it's a great time. That'd be terrific. I, I would love to do that. So, uh, Greg White from Bentonville West uh, out of Arkansas here. Uh, Coach, if you just hold on a second, got to wrap things up, and then we'll talk a little bit more after we cut everything off here. So, uh, we want to thank uh, Cossack Chiropractic uh, for sponsoring the, the podcast. Uh, if you're needing in need of chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Again, follow us on Twitter. I believe Coach White is following us on Twitter already at a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, and review. Subscribe to us. And if you got any questions, comments, uh, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, I want to thank Greg White again from Bentonville West out of Arkansas. Uh, for coming on the program again tonight. Uh, Coaches, as you listen, remember to continue to hone your craft one day at a time.